God forever. Amen. Let's turn our Bibles to Romans 4, 16. Romans 4, 16. And before we read it, let me make a few statements and some definitions. Remember that a couple weeks ago we started talking about the languages of faith. And language is a group of words used by a people of the same community, nation, or culture. It is a system of communication. Now, you and I all know that you can't get much out of this world if you don't know how to communicate or talk, convey thoughts, desire, or wishes. A language is a learned way of communication. It becomes more precise and more effective as we use it or become skilled with it as individuals. A language establishes one's identity, moral boundaries, as well as their belief system. Last week when we talked about languages, we started revealing that we know that Abraham, which was the father of faith, he was known as the first Hebrew, he that was from the other side of the river. And Abraham learned a language, and he learned it not from his father, not from the land of Ur, not from idolatrous uh, worship. He learned it from God himself. And we know that in Genesis 17, 1 through. So today we're going to start talking or continue talking about the language of faith. We would say, well, you know, we just learned about that some. We learned a small portion about it. But if you're going to operate in the kingdom, if you're going to move in faith, then you're going to have to learn about the languages of faith. So Romans 4.16, let me find it here in my Bible. You found it in yours. Romans 4.16, it says this, And therefore it is a faith that it might be by grace. To the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed. Not that only which is of the law, but that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Remember that God was assured that Abraham would teach his children what he had learned from him. So we talked a couple weeks ago that faith is something that people or children are supposed to learn in a household. If you cuss, fuss, talk down, murmur, complain all the time, your children will be representatives of you. And their life will never have a hope of turning around. They'll be like you. And we don't want them to be like you, and neither do you. You're miserable. We want them to be people of faith. Hallelujah. You'll say, you look stupid. I already know you look stupid. You already told me 15 times today. All right. Now, and it says this. And it says, talking about Abraham in verse 17. Let's flip there. And it says this. 
As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. God talking to Abraham before him whom he believed, even God who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Next verse. And who against hope he believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about an hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. And he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. He was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Now, we're going to be looking at different ways that we learn languages of faith, but we're going to look, be looking at a language of faith that I think some of us forget that we possess. The first thing that we understand is that Abraham, somebody say Abraham, he learned his language of faith that made him the father of faith. He learned how to talk heavenly languages, not from the earth, not from his father, but from God himself. That is one place. We also understand that you and I learn to speak by the word of God. We understand in 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 13, it tells us things that, Things that were in the heart of God has not appeared unto man, nor it entered into his mind or his heart, but that the Holy Ghost has revealed those things. And then he begins to tell us in verse 12 and 13, we've not received the spirit of the world, but we have received the spirit of adoption or the spirit of Christ, and that the Holy Ghost teaches us how to speak, not in man's wisdom, but in godly wisdom. Somebody say there's a wisdom higher than man. All right. This includes the languages of faith. So we want to make sure that we are operating in the language that God has given us. Could I get an amen? Remember that when we talk about things of the kingdom, when we talk like people from a different nation, we become identified as people from another country. And we should all talk like Christians. Could I get an amen? And so we want to talk as Christians talk and not like the world talk. Remember, we're putting off the old man and we're putting on the new man. And so we want to talk like a new man. So what I want to do is go back to Romans 4.20. Romans 4.20. And it says, and he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. He was strong in faith, giving glory to God. When did Abraham come under pressure that could have caused him to stagger? Now, the word staggered means to separate, to draw away from, to separate from, or to oppose God's plan to dispute or come in conflict with God. Abraham never did that. What did he do? He stayed strong. Somebody say he was strong. So what does unbelief do? 
it comes to separate us from the promise or the faith that we have set in motion. Now, Abraham never had this battle until he started using his faith, causing, calling himself Abraham instead of Abram. And so he goes through this one-year period. The first three months, he doesn't know if Sarah's pregnant or not because the incubation period of a child is nine months. So he doesn't know. So Sarah conceives a seed after that three months. And guess what? We know that it doesn't instantly show up. It takes a couple of months for a woman to start showing that she has conceived this child. So for like five months, five and a half months, Abraham, even though it has taken place, even though the promise has already been seeded and has already had life breathed into it, there is no evidence of it. And during this time, the battle is set in motion. The enemy is trying to get Abraham to separate himself from God. Unbelief comes to separate Abraham from his faith in God's promise. Now, just like it comes against you and I when we use our faith. Listen, the fight never starts until you set it in motion by putting your faith with the promise of God. Amen? That's when unbelief starts showing up. Now, it is, as it seems, so normal. Unbelief is so deceptive. It, it flourishes off of our rationale, our reasoning, our old man being raised up, dependent upon evidence. And when unbelief comes, it, becomes, it comes so subtly. It seems so natural to believe what you can see and not to believe what you can't see. Now, that's the old man. But it's more natural for you now as Christians to believe in what you can't see than it is for you to believe in what you can see. Come on, hallelujah. Listen, we are new creatures. We don't live out of the old man or the old means or the elements of this old life. We live in a new life a life based on faith and not just on evidence or fact. Could I get an amen? We live off of truth and faith. And so here, unbelief comes to Abraham. Unbelief is an assault against the human mind in an attempt to divide it so that a man becomes double-minded. In other words, he begins to accumulate questions that have no answers except God is faithful. God, how is this going to happen? I'm faithful. God, how are you going to bring this to pass? I'm faithful. God, how are you going to do I'm faithful. But see, when we come under assault of unbelief, it begins to build questions based on the reasoning factor of our old man. And so what happens is these questions begin to accumulate and it comes to divide your soul against God's purpose in your life. Now, it seems so subtle. It seems so natural. Well, well Pastor, you, you can't ask me to believe that, that something 
it has been done by God when everything is getting worse. I'm not asking you to believe anything. I'm just telling you what God said. You have to make the choice to either ward off, to fight against, to stay strong in faith, or to stagger. Come on. But realize that the staggering is the key to the devil winning over your life. You staying strong is the key to you winning in life. Amen. So Abraham does not stagger. Now listen, I mean, he's got lots of things to consider. The guy's 99 years old. Sarah's 90 years old. Listen, please, even in your wildest imagination, you can't believe that. Could I get it? That it's going to, you're going to have a baby? Come on. And so here Abraham, 99 years old, he's saying, like, God, have you been to my tent lately? God says, yeah. Well, you know that it ain't like it used to be when I was 20. He says, I know that, Abram. And Sarah, she just ain't never in the mood. She never even thinks about nothing except breakfast being ready for her when she gets up. And so God says, look, you start calling her Sarah. I'm going to start calling Phyllis Sarah. Not that I want to have another child, but I want her to think of something other than breakfast in the morning. Hallelujah. So anyway, Abraham, he's looking at his body. He's not blind. Didn't say he was blind and deaf. But he's looking at all of the evidence. What type of rationale and reasoning do you think is coming to his mind? What I mean, it's never been ever recorded that a man has ever had a child at 99 years old. So where do you think he's getting any assurance? Just think of what his mind is going through. Now you're just dealing with, well, you know, I prayed yesterday and I haven't got it today. You know, I wonder if God heard me. Oh, I hope it comes through. He gets up and looks in the bowl of water every morning and says, you're ugly. 99 years old. Wow. Sarah, come in here and look. Don't, no, don't, 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 don't give me two reflections of you, Sarah. Just one is bad enough. You're 90 years old. And so think of what Abraham is going through. He's believing God that God can bring a living seed out of a dead loin and have a living seed received by a dead womb. That's pressure. And the devil is behind it. And he's talking to him. But here it says that Abraham stays strong in faith. And he is increasing. The word staying strong means to increase in strength and to receive strength that does not seem to exist. In other words, when you start giving God glory or when you start becoming strong or resistant to the enemy in the language of faith that we're about to talk about, you become stronger in your faith, not weaker, stronger. So it's important that we don't get silent when the pressure comes on. Amen? And so Abraham is strong in faith. It says by giving glory to God by giving glory 
to God. The word glory means to state a judgment. It means to give out something that has already been revealed. It means to give praise towards God. It means to determine a response to pressure in order not to accept or to be overwhelmed by evidence. Wow. Psalms 50 verse 23 says this, praise glorifies God. Now, what is giving God glory? It is simply praise. You know, when God taught Abraham how to speak things that were not as though they were, he taught him the language of praise. What other God taught their people how to praise him? Couldn't have been the God of stone. Couldn't have been the God of wood. Couldn't have been the God of metal. Couldn't have been any God because they don't see and they don't hear, neither do they speak. So there's only one God that hears and sees and speaks, and that's God Jehovah. Amen. And he is the God that talks to Abraham and teaches him the language of praise. And praise is a language of faith. And the word praise means to boast, to give adoration to, to give thanksgiving. It means to make a confession. It means to confess. Then it means this. It means to shoot a projectile toward. Wow. It means to cast down. It means to throw down. It means to cast out. It means to give thanks. Wow. It means to give thanks. Now, how do you think Abraham responded to these thoughts? In praise, certainly. But do you think he just did like most of us? Oh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You know, glory to God. I know, God, you are faithful. Oh, bless the Lord. Hallelujah. How do you think he gave praise? I mean, really, he really was fully persuaded that what God said he could do. In other words, he never staggered, Jim. He didn't stumble. He didn't become double-minded. But there's an assault, 99 years of evidence assaulting his mind. 90 years of Sarah's life of unproductivity, never conceiving a seed, yet he's bombarded with those thoughts, yet he doesn't stagger. How do you think he responded? Whispering? Oh, hallelujah, God. I'm thinking these thoughts, but Jesus, oh, blessed be your name. Hallelujah. That's how we do it. It's so weak, God doesn't know if we are passionate, if we are persuaded, or if we're not. We're like we're afraid to use faith and we're afraid to talk. We're afraid to decree the judgment of God. But we as a people of God are to be a people of praise. We are to be a people that shout aloud. Hallelujah. There's nothing silent about you and I as Christians. Could I get an amen? 
You ever saw an army running towards an adversary whispering? Well, absolutely not. Well, it says that he praised the Lord and he didn't stagger. In other words, praise is a language against unbelief. Praise is a language against unbelief. It establishes or declares that you have a fixed heart. Could I have Psalms 57 and verse 6 up there? It has a fixed heart. In other words, you're not going to cave in. You're not going to back up. You're not going to surrender. You're not going to change your confession. You're not going to free yourself or, or forsake the promise that God has given you. You're going to stand no matter what's going on, and you're going to praise God. You're not going to become double-minded. And it says uh, 57, verse 6. Is that what I said? 57, verse 6. Uh, let's go to verse 7. I'm sorry. Maybe I jumped the verse here. There it is. My heart is fixed, O God. My heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. Praise is a declaration of a fixed heart. The word fixed means fastened. It means position. It means set to hold on no matter what happens. It means that I will hold on without time and I will not give myself to change. It directs one to excel and demands that our eyes look at something other than what we are going through. Verse 8. Awake, my glory, awake. Palestry and harp, I myself will awake early. Next verse. I will praise thee, O Lord, among the people. I will sing unto thee among the nations. Now what does David say? My heart is fixed. Why is David's heart fixed? Because if you're going to use your faith, you're going to have to fasten yourself somewhere with God and not let go and give seasons a time to change your mind. Could I get an amen? We are to set ourselves and fix our heart. That word heart means set your intellect, set your soul, set your emotions and keep them set by offering up praise and thanksgiving unto God. We are to be vocal in the middle of a battle, there should not be silence from the camp of the righteous. There should be a sound that people hear. It is a sound of victory. I hear the sound of victory. Hallelujah. Listen, we need to realize that we are seen by the adversary as the conquerors and the overcomers. Remember, Balaam said, listen, there is a sound of a victorious lying in the nation of lion, in the nation of Israel. In other words, no matter what you do, he will be promoted. He will rule. God is on his side. Listen, I hear the sound of a victorious roar from the people of God. That's what you and I are. We are to be praisers. Come on, could I get somebody to shout hallelujah? Listen, we are to be praisers. We are to be people that are confident we will not be moved. Drive a stake in the ground 
tie yourself to it, lift your hands up, and start singing and giving God glory. Hallelujah. Why do we give God glory? The Bible says, God, I will praise thee because thou hast done it. Hast done it. You know that when God says something, David, the Bible says in Hebrews 11, Hebrews 1, 3, he's upholding all things by the word of his power. In other words, every word of God, when he speaks it, is filled with power to bring it to pass. All he's waiting for is somebody to put faith with it and then fix their heart that they will not stagger when unbelief comes to assault them. Amen. What would, should we do from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same? The name of the Lord shall be praised. Come on, we are to be people of thanksgiving. I hear so many people telling me how bad that that is. What is that? That is staggering. That is a disassembling of yourselves together with God. You are separating yourself. You are joining yourself to defeat. You are abandoning guaranteed victory. Listen, when you don't know what to say, just say, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Don't be silent. Don't be still. Praise God after you have discovered what God has said and what he will do and who he is. Do not be silent. Lift up holy hands. Put your head back. Put out your chest and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Hallelujah. See, praise is a voice of triumph. Murmuring is a voice of defeat. We should be people of praise, amen? But you don't know what's going on. Oh, I do know what's going on. Everything going on in your life is going on in everybody else's life. Do not think that you are the only one in the battle. And don't think that you are the only one that God, that feels like God has forsaken them. But you may be the only one that is siding with the devil and separating with God. Amen? Let's go to Psalms 40 and verse 3. Hallelujah. 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 That's why I don't think that we need to drag congregations into worship. I think we need to still, wait, 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 we got an announcement to make. Hallelujah, hallelujah. If you really believe that victory is in your next step, what would you do? So many of us are waiting for God to show the victory before we voice any faith. Psalm verse, uh, chapter 40 and verse 3. He hath put, oh gosh, a new song in my mouth. Even praise, even praise, even praise unto our God. Now many shall see it or see the result of it. They will fear and shall trust in the Lord. God hath put a new song in our mouth. In other words, David, if you have a problem, you find a promise. That promise is guaranteed to come to pass because God is a faithful God. What would you do after you've already found out what God's going to do, no matter what the devil is doing and no matter how bad it looks? 
Well, we are to sing the song of the redeemed. We are to begin to praise God. We are to begin to shout unto the Lord with a voice of triumph. Could I get an amen? We are to be a people that are confident that what God said he will bring to pass. So, but I had this thought, I had that thought. They said this, they said that. Lift up your voice and sing unto the Lord a new song. Hallelujah. A new song. We are to be happy people. And most of the people I meet in Christianity are miserable. After I meet them, they can make me miserable. I mean, so many Christians are down in the mouth, trodden, beat up, run over. I think to myself, what is wrong with you? They have forgotten that he is faithful. They have forgotten that God doesn't fail. They have forgotten the promise they read. They have staggered. They've become beat up. They've become weak. They have become weary. But I'm telling you today, right where you are at, you can lift yourself up, shake yourself off, and begin to sing the songs that you once sung, and God will begin to give you a revelation of a new song. Hallelujah. You know, there's only about 60 inches between defeat and winning. All you got to get up, do is get up where the devil knocked you down and stand up. That's all you got to do. And then open your mouth. But I don't feel like it. Oh, thank God I've sung so many songs I haven't felt like singing. But I sang them anyway. Hallelujah. Get up and sing the songs. Don't let the devil steal your heart, make you put it on a tree, and you mourn by the rivers of Zion. Come on, it's time to pick up what God has given you, and it's time to begin to praise God. It's begin time to declare what God has said. It's time to declare his judgment. It's time to make a confession. It's time to say what God has said. And you can do it all in praise and in all in thanksgiving and all in new songs and spiritual songs. Start singing and making melody to yourself. And God will begin to fill you with the Holy Ghost again. You'll rise up and you'll be filled in new. Hallelujah. And you'll be strong again. Telling you that weariness has no place in the kingdom of God. Could I get an amen? Hallelujah. So we realize that God, when he says something in it, the Bible says that the Holy Ghost would teach us, not with man's wisdom, but with spiritual wisdom, we'll talk another language. Well, we'll sing another song. We don't sing, woe is me. We don't sing, you know, oh, there she's gone. Thank God the greyhound is gone. We don't sing, you know, whatever country and western sing. You play it backwards, you get your life back. We need to start singing what God has put in our heart. Amen. It may be contrary to your situation, but I want to tell you something. It will Bring God on the scene. Could I get an amen? amen? Hallelujah. And so we as Christians need to get to the place that we have a song in our heart. Come on, a song in our heart. And we need to stop being weary.
But we need, remember what Abraham said. It said he becomes strong, giving glory to God. In other words, he began to perpetuate or generate strength through praise. Through praise. I'll tell you what, the church is a recharging place. When you come in here, you can lift your hands up. You don't have to worry about Kroger's throwing you out. Walmart saying be quiet. You don't have to worry about Audis saying, you know, we don't allow that stuff here. In here, you can lift your hands up, throw your head back. You can howl like a dog. You can make a joyful noise unto the Lord. You can get filled up, get prepared, and go back out and be victorious in the world that is against you. But if you just come in and just stand around, you'll see everybody else get filled up, and you'll go out the same way you come in. It's not a church's problem. It's not a pastor's problem. It's a you problem. Come on, somebody. Shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Phyllis told me the other day, she said, I'm, I, I'm, sometimes I'm not happy. I said, well, you know what? Get over it. You're going to have to make yourself happy. If you're depending on me to make you happy, you're going to lose. Do you understand why? Because I go up and down, so your joy level, your happiness is going to go up and down. Why would anybody put their faith in another individual to bring them happiness? I have a hard enough time putting my faith in her to bring me supper, let alone happiness. Could I get an amen? Does she bring it? Yes, sometimes it comes flying. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's the God's truth. Hallelujah. Some of that food that she serves could be used for, what do they call them things? Uh, those things that fly in the air. I'm trying to be nice, honey. Uh, what, frisbees, hallelujah. We used them as frisbees one time. The dog tried to catch him. We had to take him to dentist. He didn't have no teeth left. Now we, uh, so we don't want to do that. Hallelujah. Now let's go to Psalms 15, verse 2. Hallelujah. Psalms 15, verse 2. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, we're going to be a people of praise. I don't know how people stay quiet for 45 minutes to an hour when I'm preaching. You ought to be jumping up and shouting about something. Hallelujah. Praise God, even if I'm two minutes closer to finishing than I was when I started, that's a reason to shout. Hallelujah. Praise God. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God hath shined. Hallelujah. Our God shall come and shall not keep silent. A fire shall de devour before him, and it shall be very temptuous. Temptu yeah, temp tempestous. Oh, gee, many. Around about him. And he shall call the heaven from above and the earth that he may judge his people. In other words, we are to glorify God, and what does God do? God goes into more motion when his people praise him. Amen. Jesus told us in Matthew 25, 26 about praise. He said that God, out of the mouth of sucklings and babes, he hath ordained strength. Strength, yes. Strength, you know that praise is a matchless might that the enemy cannot move through and accomplish his task. 
Remember, Abraham staggered not at unbelief. In other words, he rose up a standard of strength, and he didn't become weak in faith. He became stronger in faith, giving glory, giving glory, giving glory, praise, adoration, making declarations of God's judgment. He became stronger, and unbelief became weaker. Now, surely you don't think that the devil just said, let's see. No, no, he created a strategy, a while, a plan and a purpose that he thought Abraham could never resist. That Abraham would fracture and separate himself from God and stop talking the way that God wanted him to talk. What he did not realize was the power of praise. The power of praise. Could I have Psalms 8-2 and 8-3 up on the screen? So Jesus told the disciples, look, out of the mouth of babes. Somebody say, just babes. And sucklings, God hath ordained strength. Ordained strength. And this is where he quotes that verse from. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, thou hast ordained strength. Because, somebody say, because. Why is praise given to the believer? Because. Somebody say because. Because there are enemies. Well, we know that. But you can't defeat the enemies that come against you. The devil is mightier than any individual unless the individual uses the weapons that God has given him. Amen. If that was not true, sin would never happen in the church. And it says this, but because of thine enemy, somebody say, God has given me strength because of mine enemy. And then it said that thou mightest still make inactive, bring to a place of rest and stillness the enemy and the avenger. God hath ordained. Somebody say, God hath ordained. Now, here we have that God has ordained praise that comes out of the mouth of babes and sucklings to be used against your enemies. The word enemy means those that cause trouble, those that vex you, those that distress you, those that bring pressure, those that attack you, those that try to separate you those that try to confuse or to break you. So that tells us that whenever these things come, the only way to be stronger than the enemy is to begin to praise God. Well, I was just going to confess the word, but the Bible says that Jesus has ordained praise to bring strength to the believer because of his enemies. Now, you can fight it your way or you can fight it God's way. Amen? But God has given you a way that he has ordained because of your enemies. Why would he give you something if you could do it another way? He gave this to you because this is the only way. Come on. This is the only way. So when the enemy comes in, I don't care how he comes in. I don't care where he comes in. If you want to be strong, 
if you want to gain strength in your faith, not to stumble, not to separate, not to become diffused or divided or to end up opposing God, end up being wounded and hurt. I get so tired of Christians being wounded and hurt. Get over it. My word, if you've been saved two days, you've been hurt enough for a lifetime. Just why do we let it affect us? Phyllis and I have in-laws on both sides. Her in-laws hurt her. Her in-laws hurt me. My in-laws never talk about her in a good way. But my in-laws hurt her, and my in-laws hurt me. Get over it. I've never got so offended that I went to my mother and said, I'm not a dosak anymore. I'm talking to, to all you little weak-minded Christians that get mad and walk out of a church and blame it on Christians. Get over it. If a man can overthrow who you are, then you weren't who God made you. Amen? Listen, you're going to have to become like me, a Teflon preacher. Whatever they throw at you, let it run off. It doesn't matter. Man is not big enough, smart enough. He is not qualified enough to stop me from doing or being what God has called me to be. I refuse to let a mere mortal man that is on his way to a grave to stop me from being who God called me to be. I don't care what they think. I don't care what they are assuming. I don't care what they are saying. I don't care what they are presuming about me. It does not matter. What matters is that I know who I am and I know who he is and therefore nobody else can separate me from my destiny. Come on, if we're going to let men tell us what we can do and we can't do, then we're never going to do anything. Amen? And so we as Christians have got to get strong. And we have got to suck it up and become what God wants us to be. Amen? So when the enemy comes in, just begin to thank God. Sing praises. I remember Phyllis used to tell me in Bockton, we had that little house, you know, and it was on the street. She'd say, honey, quit singing. People are looking at the house. I said, I don't care. Honey, just please, there's somebody coming to the door. Could you be quiet? It didn't bother me. I was getting stronger in faith. I was growing stronger against my adversary. Folks, we either have to believe God or we're going to have to deny that God is true. Could I get an amen? So let's be strong. If your enemies are attacking you, throw your head back and sing. Murmuring won't do anything but make you weaker. Complaining won't do anything. Well, I'm going to have a counseling appointment. Counseling with me and complaining won't do anything for you. It might get you more offended. <laughs> but it may not help you. Now, if you have a problem, I understand. But if you're just going through everyday tribulations, ups and downs, there's only one thing to say to you. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. God will deliver you out of them all. Stand strong, son. This one will end. Another one's coming. Could I get an amen? Remember, tomorrow is filled with evil. 
and is capable of itself of being a battleground. So you think, well, I'm going to make it through today. Tomorrow's going to be better. Maybe. Uh, maybe. Remember Pat Wilson preached that message here. It may get worse before it gets better. Ask Jairus. His daughter was sick. Now she's dead. It got worse, but it did get better. Amen. Listen, you, it doesn't matter what you're going through. You need to have a voice that declares victory and success and the faithfulness of God. And that is all interwoven in your praise. People that know God, praise God. People that don't, don't praise God. Come on. Hallelujah. And so we need to have a voice of praise. Amen. All right. Let's go to Second Chronicles. Second Chronicles. We're going to be wrapping up here. Second Chronicles. I heard that. I heard somebody finally say, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I've been preaching 45 minutes. Nobody said hallelujah, shout hallelujah, praise the Lord. All during service, unless I invoke you and encourage you. I shouldn't have to do that. I should be saying, okay, 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 chill out. Let me make another statement. Amen. Here, David, let me give you one word that will keep you praising the rest of your life. No weapon formed against you will prosper. Amen. That, that is enough to keep you praising God until your hair falls out, grows on your feet, and takes up residence on your back. Hallelujah. Now listen, that is enough to keep every believer shouting if they believe what God has said. Because if, if it's a weapon of need, it will not prevail. If it's a weapon of disease, it will not prevail. In other words, you are like the movie, The Untouchables. Have you ever seen that movie? The FBI or whoever, CIA or who, Ruger, whoever they are. They wear hats and carry machine guns and kill bad people. Now, I'm always on the bad guy's side, but it always ends up the same, the untouchables. Well, you as a Christian are untouchable. I think we ought to have a T-shirt made up, I'm untouchable. Of course, amen. And your wife would say, that's a nice T-shirt, just don't believe it in this house. All right. Now, yeah, absolutely. Second Chronicles, the 20th chapter, and let's go down to verse about 18. Now, Jehoshaphat has been living for God, and he has been serving God. And there are three ar armies that join together, and they come up against Jehoshaphat. Now, Jehoshaphat doesn't know it because he's just living in peace and living off of with uh, living for God and he's succeeding and doing well and a messenger comes and says hey Jehoshaphat there's a great army coming and he hears the report and he gets fearful and he says God what can we do against such a great company and then out of that he calls for a fast and he calls Israel the whole nation upon a fast and they come together and they fast as one people and then it says this, and Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face toward the ground in all Judea, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And, one, and the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and the children of the Kohithites 
Shemen. Why didn't they just make them one crowd? Stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice on high. And they rose up early in the morning. They went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall ye prosper. Believe his prophets, so shall ye prosper. Now, next verse. And it says, And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord, that should praise the beauty of his holiness. And as they went out before the army and to say, praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. And when he, they began to sing, oh gosh, when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord intervened and set up ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. For the children of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir utterly to slay and to destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, everyone helped to destroy another. And when Judah came towards the watchtower in the wilderness, they looked upon the multitude, and behold, they were dead bodies fallen to the ground, and none escaped. Next verse. And when Jehoshaphat and the people came to take away the spoils of them, they found among them in abundance both riches and the, with the dead bodies and precious jewels, and they stripped off for themselves more than they could carry away. And they were three days in carrying off the spoil. It was so much. Now, we read in there that they made, a, Jehoshaphat made a proclamation. You'll believe his prophets. You'll be established if you believe his prophets, you shall prosper. Now, what did that mean? There was a Levite that brought forth a message, and it said, don't be dismayed, don't be discouraged. This battle is not yours. It is the Lord's. Stand you still and see the salvation of God. They moved out and believed the Lord, just like you believe a promise. What did they do when the adversary came against them? Now, I think that they dealt with three things. I think that they dealt with unbelief. Certainly, their mind had to say, this is crazy. This is, don't take any weapons or any swords. What do you mean we don't have to fight? Come on, you've got to do something. No, I don't want you to do anything. This is my battle. I think that they fought fear. And I'm sure that there was much doubt. Tossed to and fro, wavering, wondering, what should I do? This is crazy. And I think that praise steals not only unbelief like in Abraham's life, but I think it dethrones fear and doubt. Causing us to take the song that is in the word that God has given us and begin to go out into the midst of our enemies and to begin to praise the Lord and realize that we need to use spiritual weaponry against spiritual enemies. Could I get an amen? 
And then it says their enemies turned on themselves. Turned on themselves. And when they did, the spoil became Israel's. There's a lot of spoils waiting in the battles that you go through. But you're never going to take it if all we do is get separated from God, get separated from God, stagger through the unbelief that comes into our minds. We're going to have to stand up strong in the face of our enemies and begin to worship and to praise and to declare and to make the judgments of God known to the earth. Could I get an amen? And as we do, God is going to show up. Come on, he's going to show up, and he's going to show off, and the adversary is going to be defeated. Come on, shout hallelujah. Now, one more scripture. Hebrews 13, verse 15 says this. Offer up the sacrifice of thanksgiving, which is the fruit of your lips, giving praise unto the Lord. Now, it says offer up the sacrifice. Now, we think sacrifice is, well, I don't feel like it. I'm no, no. Sacrifice means put something on the altar. What do we put on the altar when we start praising? We put on the altar our feelings. We put on the altar our dependency upon evidence. We put up on the altar what is persuading our eyes. We put up on our altars the ears that hear negativity. We put all of those things and we lay them down and we say, God, we offer these things up. And God, I lift my hands to you and I offer to you praise and thanksgiving. God, you are faithful. God, you are marvelous. God, you never fail. God, your eyes are up on me. You've made a proclamation. God, no weapon formed against me will prosper. I don't know about you. That ought to make people dance. That ought to just make people shout hallelujah. Praise God. That we, how can we be still when God has done so much? Hallelujah. Come on out here, Ashley, and let's sing that song. Hallelujah. Now listen, we're going to dismiss today with this song in just a moment. If you'll please stand to your feet. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 I quickly want to give out an opportunity. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you are missing out on the greatest love affair of your life. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Eternal life is offered to you because Jesus died for your sins at Calvary. God so loved the world. Tells me that the world, everybody in it, has sinned and come short of the glory of God. We are all born into sin and the only way to escape it and its eternal punishment is to call upon the name of the Lord. And the Bible said that whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God wants to save you so much, he's made it so simple 
that a child could understand. If you are here today, you're a backslider. If you're here today and you're a sinner, you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, I'm going to ask you in just a moment to come down one of the aisles that is nearest to you, and I'm going to pray a prayer with you. Because, see, it's your faith in Christ. You have to make a determined decision. I am going to give my life to Jesus. Not that you're coming to church, not that you're joining a church. You're going to give your life to Jesus Christ and to let him be Lord over it. That you will live by his word, his standards, his definitions of right and wrong. He's here today and he's calling your name. Maybe it's Gary. Maybe it's Sue, Bill, Judy. I don't know what your name is, but he knows your name. And he's calling you right now. He's calling you. The question is, will you answer? If you are in this place today and you say, Pastor, I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to return to my relationship with him. If you're in one of those categories, I'm going to ask you right now, very quickly, to raise your hand up so I can pray for you. Wherever you are, lift your hands up. If I don't see one, please, I'll show it to me. If I don't see one, make sure I get it. Is anybody? Lift your hand up. There's one. Somebody else. Now I'm going to ask whoever raised their hands to get out of your seat and come right down here, and I want to pray with you. Whoever it is, wherever you are right now, if you're a backslider, if you're not a Christian, right now is the moment. Now is the time to get it right, wherever you are. Whoever raised their hand, come. Quickly, come. Hallelujah. Wherever you are, if you brought somebody, ask them. If they're a Christian, are they ready to go to heaven? Most important part of a service is right now where souls are being saved. Well, that one didn't come, but we know he's there. So let's all just pray this prayer, will you please? Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus Christ was your only begotten Son. And I believe that he went to Calvary. He died on the cross. He was buried in the ground. He was raised on the third day. And he is now alive. I believe that he is Lord of all. I now confess him as Lord of my life. Come into my heart, Jesus. I receive you now. As you have died for me, I will now